This is the Become an Unstoppable Woman podcast with Lindsay Preston, episode 171. Let's talk about race and other hard things. Welcome to the Become an Unstoppable Woman podcast, the show for barrier-breaking women who are ready to shed their good girl layers so they can own their power and live deeply fulfilling lives instead. I'm your host, Lindsay Elizabeth. I'm a leadership coach to women all over the world. And I've lived through enough in life to know that easier doesn't always equate to better. We can't fear the fire, we must learn to become it. And on this show, I'll teach you how to do just that. So join me and my guests as we challenge you to shed society's bullshit systems and beliefs to become even more of the strong, resilient, and powerful woman you were meant to be. As you listen, trust your intuition to take what you love and leave the rest. The thoughts and perspectives I share on the show are my own with the lens of my lived experience as a privileged, white, cis, straight, able-bodied woman. And while that informs my experience and perspectives, I wholeheartedly believe living a deeply fulfilling life is possible to every woman. If I ever say anything harmful, I'm open to doing better and hearing your feedback. My goal is for you to leave this show feeling empowered, inspired and ready to share this show with every woman you know so they too can create a life that lights them the fuck up from the inside. Are you ready to get started? Let's go. Hey there, Ms. Unstoppable. Welcome to another episode of the show. Today, get ready. I have Dr. Nancy Jome on the show to talk about race and how we have conversations about it and other hard things. And I really think this interview is going to leave you with how to have any kind of conversation, be it hard or not hard conversation. I walked away with so many nuggets um, from this interview and it really inspired me to up my communication game in a lot of ways. It answered so many questions for me on how to have conversations, especially around um, things that are uncomfortable, be it race, gender, politics, you know, whatever. So get ready because I think this could be an interview you listen to many times over. And I hope it inspires you to go get her book called Let's Talk About Race and Other Hard Things. As we're recording this, it's early January, 2021, when this episode comes out, it's way much farther into the year because we're just recording like mad people back here, but yeah, I haven't gotten her book yet, but I am definitely going to be getting it after our interview today. And I think you will too. And it's already out, which is great, but let me just tell you a little bit about Dr. Nancy Dome. She co-founded Epoch Education in 2014 to provide leaders in education and business with accessible professional development and diversity, inclusion, and belonging and equity. As an educator for nearly three decades, Dr. Dome taught in the juvenile court and community schools teaching our most vulnerable students and has served as a distinguished teacher in residence and faculty member at California State University, San Marcos. Her transformative approach helps school districts and educators educational agencies throughout the country navigate complex topics, build bridges, and work together for inclusive, impactful change. Dr. Nancy Dome is a communication expert as well. And so again, she's paired this beautiful dance of how to talk about hard things along with her DEI work that she does in the world and just being a Black woman. So 
get ready. <laughs> I keep saying it, get ready. It's a great interview. I hope you love it as much as I do. And it opens up as many doors as it did for me. So here's my interview. Enjoy. Dr. Nancy Dome. Thank you for gracing us with your presence today and all the things you're going to share with us about race and other hard things. Um, as I was just telling you before we hit record, when you came across my desk, I was like, we absolutely have to have this conversation even more. Um, so I'm so excited for your book that's coming out. When is it going to be released? It's going to be released on Tuesday, the 18th, uh, the day after MLK day. Oh, nice. So January 18th. Okay. And just tell us what's the inspiration for your book. Yeah, the, well, the inspiration um, really comes from, you know, my initial work was, uh, as a teacher, was working in alternative education with uh, kids that have been expelled from public school. And um, what I recognized, and this is 20 years ago, 25 years ago, was that um, the kids that were being expelled were usually kids of color. And so I felt like there was this big disconnect um, when it came to how we were teaching kids in public schools and what was what was missing. And so that kind of inspired me looking at how do we have these tough conversations? How do we how do we interrupt some of the the behaviors and some of the things that we see, uh, but do it in a way that's compassionate that actually leads to change and doesn't divide us. And so that was kind of the the birthplace of it. And now, you know, 25 years later, the book was just really a necessary tool as we continue to teach the protocol as a pillar of the work that we do at Epic Education. Um, a lot of our clients were just saying that, you know, it's great, Nancy, when you're in the room with us or when, you know, your folks are in the room, but when we leave the room, we don't remember, we get nervous, you know, we, we can't lean in. And so it would be nice to have, you know, something where we could refer back to that we could, you know, learn from and use it as a tool. And so the book has kind of been in the back of my mind for probably about five years and just finally came to um, finally manifested this year. It's a de definitely a labor of love, but it was really about how can I provide more support um, for people that we work with, but also for anybody who just wants to engage differently and, and be a part of the solution instead of part of the problem. Yeah. So having these conversations about yeah. race and all of that and, and being an ally in that as well. Right. Is that what I hear? Yeah, absolutely. You know, an ally, you know, one of the things I talk about in the book is really, you know, an ally is great, but how do we move towards more of a co-conspirator? Right. So an ally means that you're supporting me and that's wonderful, but it also means that it's not really your problem. It's my problem. But when we're co-conspirators in this, it becomes our problem. And I think that the race issue specifically, but just you know, conflict and different things that we engage in every day as human beings with each other, that's our issue. And so we really have to start shifting our language to, to take ownership. And then it's not like, you're no longer my savior, you're our savior. We're like, we're saving Yay. each other, right? So it's a whole different reframe of, of how we engage in the work. But when you own the work, Right. When you feel like it's your work, too, then it's not something that you can lay down. It's not something that you can opt out of because it belongs to you. Ooh, that's good. <laughs> like right there. I just need to adjust that. And I had a DEI coach tell me that was like, you don't want to be an ally. You want to be a co-conspirator, but didn't explain it as well as you just did and making it all of our problems. Because I think a lot of times, you know, I'm a white woman, obviously as a white woman, it can be easy to go into white comfort and be like, oh, not my problem today. But the reality is that it is our problem. And when we look at it that way, then it's like, I'm helping myself in that when my brain is like, this is too hard. I can't do it. 
Absolutely. And that, and that is the key message is that you, it really is a self-help. You know, I, I think a lot of the, the angst that we experience, the white angst, the, the angst for people of color has to do with us not realizing that this issue, you know, if, if a black man gets killed, it's not just impacting the black community, it's impacting everybody. Right. And so where is that, that ownership, that, that investment into this is our community problem you know, that we need to resolve together. And the more minds that are that are in it and at it, the more likely we are to actually get to some kind, some kind of resolution or solution. Yeah. Well, and that goes so much farther beyond race of like gender, sexuality, like all of these systems, we all are co-conspirators to that. That's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. 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 Okay. So the big thing that I hear often, and I'm sure you do too, is okay. I'm this ally or this co-conspirator, right? But then I go home for Christmas and my weird Uncle Tom has got his racist thoughts. How can I stand up to Uncle Tom or just in my everyday world, even though, you know, I may have some people pleasing in me or I'm fearing my own life. Like, how can I do this in a way that's productive? What would you say to that person? Well, so the thing is, is that the, pro like understanding the, the RIR protocol is crucial. So the first R is recognized and that's like what it triggers in us. So it's recognizing my feelings and things like that. The R, the I is interrupt and, but it's interrupt through inquiry, right? And that is the difference. So when crazy uncle Tom says something crazy at the table, you know, usually what happens when we're offended, that first R, like I'm offended, I'm angry, whatever that is, then we react. And so my reaction could be like, damn it, you know, why do you always say that? Or what, you know, it could be this, this attack. And so now we're battling each other. Mm -hmm. If we use compassionate dialogue and we use the eye to inquire, then we can, and we're also not trying to change crazy uncle Tom's mind. So that's also key, right? I'm not, my job is not to convince him he's wrong. It maybe is to shed light for him to see a, like the impact that it's having that's different than maybe from his intent. But if I then ask, you know, um, my, the uncle to say, hey, you know, why would you say that? Or where, where are you basing that information from? Then it becomes a discussion where the person who's made that remark actually has to think about what that remark means. And, you know, maybe in some, in some instances gets to realize, oh, it came off that way. You know, oh, I didn't, I didn't mean it that way. Or if I did, it means that I'm being held accountable. So either way, it's a win-win, right? Like I'm going to make you think for a second about what you said and think that that it matters to somebody. Because when we don't say anything at all, it's it's that kind of that comp, uh, you know being complicit in it, right? If I don't mm -hmm. if I don't interrupt it, then somehow you might think that I agree with you on that. Um, and if I'm just rolling my eyes, think about all that. You know, this is that co-conspirator piece again. I roll my eyes. It's impacting me. But I'm not doing anything about it. So I, that lives in my body. Mm -hmm. And so when I'm able to actually do something about it, then I'm able to release it from my body. Totally. It goes back to like little T traumas, right? Mm -hmm. Of like you're experiencing that trauma in essence. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Especially if it's a comment about you directly yeah. in that. Yeah. But I love that of just like getting curious. Where is mm -hmm. that coming from? Where, where did you find that information? And looking back, I did that once at a family event, they were complaining about some political party. And I was like, what? I don't get where are you getting that, 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 um, those thoughts from, and then they all got quiet. Yeah. 
And I yeah. didn't realize that that was really what it was. Yeah. Being curious. Yeah. yeah. And the curiosity is, is powerful because it really, it really, um, it, it works on multiple levels of letting people know that it's probably problematic what they said, but also letting, making sure we understand the context of what something was said in. Um, but there are times that it's hard to ask questions. I mean, there are times that you can be so offended or so angry that you can't ask questions. And when you get to those places, you know, it's kind of counterintuitive, but what we say in the protocol is that you actually want to share the impact. So if I was offended by Uncle Tom, then and but I don't have the I don't have the right question, I could just say, you know what, that that actually really hurt. Is that your intention to hurt like to wound me? Right. And so I, but I think our 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 egos are our, our, our won't allow us to do that because we don't we feel like I don't want to bear my throat to someone who's already trying to, you know slice it right so it's this yeah. idea that though when we do do that i'm i'm actually authentically communicating with you and i'm letting you know and you then have a choice on how you want to move forward and this interaction then goes a long way in me understanding whether or not there's any possibility for repair for us or not or if that repair is that we're no longer in each other's lives right wow that's good I've never heard of that. Like you tell them how it's impacting you. And I think for some of us, like I'm not somebody who can tell you right off the bat, but then having the courage to later down the road, go to uncle Tom or whoever and saying, I I thought about that more. And that really stirred this in me. Yes. 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 Yeah. Yeah. And the beauty of the protocol is that, you know, I think people get confused. Like they think that all three steps have to happen like in this moment. And it doesn't, I mean, that's not how communication works. You know, sometimes I need to, I always say I'm a genius 15 minutes later, right? <laughs> so, because I have to ride that emotional wave. And so the, the protocol isn't, you know, to go through those steps, it takes as long as it takes. So if you recognize, and maybe also, I mean, maybe it's just not the right place to interact. Maybe just the conditions aren't right, whether you're physically unsafe or maybe it's a boss and you're in a meeting and to do that would be problematic, but it doesn't mean that you can't come back, you know, a day later or a week later and interrupt. And just like you said, you know what, I, I've had time to think about what you said, and this is what, it, you know, whatever that follow-up is. Um, it is a, it is a process, but what it, what the whole protocol does is it keeps us in conversation because it's too easy without it to just say, I'm just not going to deal with you anymore. Yes. You know, okay, Uncle so, Tom no longer gets invited. Yeah. Yeah. Or it's like this, like grin and bear it kind of thing of like, yeah. here he is again. Right. And not yeah. getting that out. Okay. Yeah. So walk us through the protocol again. It's it, the framework is compassionate dialogue. And so, mm-hmm. and I, and I say that caveat because RIR without compassion is just it could be a bad conversation, right? Because we recognize, we we all recognize, and it's a natural way to, to do it. We're just naming it. So you recognize that you've been triggered, and then you think about what that trigger is. So it could be sadness, it could be hurt, it could be anger, it could be frustration, whatever those feelings are, right? And I and then part of knowing yourself is okay, if you trigger anger in me, what is my normal reaction if I don't mitigate it? Right. And so like if you trigger anger in me, I always say I'm a Sag and I'm a fire horse. So I have this wicked mouth. And if I don't ride my emotional wave, usually I speak truth, but it's not effective because it'll be hurtful um, just because I'm reacting. And so I ride my emotional wave with the first R, 
And then I'm ready to ask a question to, to interrupt, right? And I can ask a question or I can share the impact or I can share a different experience. Like, well, that's actually not the experience I've had with mm. so-and-so, right? Mm. Um, mm -hmm. And then we have that conversation. And then the second R, the repair is what happens, you know, a day later, a week later, a month later, how do we re-engage to keep the conversation going? But I also say that repair is sometimes divorce. So I don't want people to get the wrong idea that everything can be fixed, right? They, they hear repair and we think we're fixing it. Well, divorce is fixing, right? It's this idea that we have figured out that we are no good together and we need to end it, but we can do it in a way that is done through compassion. So Lindsay, you and I are friends. Um, we've had a big falling out. We, we, we've tried, we've tried to, to repair it. And we just realized that our repair is that we just need to give each other space, right? But we've done it in a way where you're clear on why I'm not talking to you. I'm clear on why you're not talking to me. And we've tried to resolve it. Mm. Right? And so it's yeah. a much more humane and compassionate way of engaging. Without the compassion, I could recognize that you hurt my feelings. I could interrupt by saying you're a jerk and I can repair by never talking to you again, right? Yeah. So it's a compassion that shifts that and says, okay, I'm gonna do this differently. Yeah, now I'm understanding why the title of the book is talk about race and other hard things because you can use this for anything. I'm even thinking about conversations with my mom. Oh, yes. like, mom, you hurt me you said that yeah right yeah yeah and just coming out from compassion or this is how i made it feel was that your intent mm -hmm. and just asking that yeah yeah so good so good okay how should someone respond if their beliefs are challenged inquiry seek to understand if your goal is to seek to understand then you will ask questions right mm. and it's hard so i i give an example of someone I know in my town who I ran into during COVID who had a MAGA hat on. And for me, the, the Make America Great Again hat is problematic. You know, um, it, it's not about a political party. It's just about what it has come to stand for for me, right? But I see him wearing this hat and I'm, I'm caught off guard because this is someone who's been in my home. Um, and I, I really don't understand why he has it on. And it's, it's, uh, it's offensive to me. It also, I, if I'm being honest, there's a level of fear, not of him, but just I feel I feel vulnerable and I'm in a town where I'm one of three or four black people. Right. So I feel very conspicuous. So we have, the, you know, we say hello and I'm, my brain is swimming and I finally come up with my question. And it's like, what, what does that hat mean to you? Hmm. And he was kind of taken aback, but then he tells me what it means to him. And we have this really beautiful dialogue and we went, he was like, well, it means this and this. And he says, well, what does it mean to you? And I said, well, you know, for me, it represents hate. Like, I feel like the people that that is targeted at are people who look like me. And he goes, well, that's not what I believe. And I don't associate with people like that. And then my next question was, well, how do you know the difference? And he Ooh. was like, oh, like, and, and for him, he got it like, again, did I change his mind about what that means to him? No, but that also wasn't my goal. My goal was to truly understand this individual, what it meant to him so that I could then decide whether or not he is someone that, that could stay in my life, right? Mm -hmm. And he is someone because once I understood what it meant to him and he understood the impact it had on me, we were able to find common ground. 
right? And I think too many times, especially when you talk about politics and things happening now, we see someone with a, a contradictory belief to what we believe, and we just write them off. And it, it, it's not effective. And when you dig down just a little bit, you think you know people, but, in, but you realize you haven't asked these people in your life, you know, that you haven't been challenged and now you're getting challenged, but they've been in your life. So do you really write off people who you've known since kindergarten? You know, is that your first act, you know? And so for me, the, the compassionate uh, dialogue really allows me to lean in and seek to understand and determine individually how I'm going to relate to uh, people in my life, as opposed to putting someone in this bucket and then uh, everybody in this bucket gets thrown out. Whew. So powerful. Yeah. So powerful. Again, it's like not making these judgments, getting curious and having the guts to ask those questions and do, do doing our own work to not being so triggered that we can't ask those questions. Cause that's what I see with a lot of my clients is like, I'm just so stirred up. I don't even know what to say. Right. And that's right. why it's important to do that work. So you can ask. Right. right. And, and also, you know, what I, I still think, I mean, I've been doing this for 20 years and I still get stirred up sometimes where I'm like, ah, I, you know, and so sometimes I just need to give myself a timeout. And, and that is also part of the strategy. So the interrupt is crucial. And what I can say in that moment where I'm feeling like that is simply, wow, like I have a lot of feelings happening around what you just said. And I don't know if I can effectively communicate them to you in this moment. So I'm going to have to remove myself from this conversation. And mm -hmm. um, if it's okay with you, I'd like to come back and talk about it. So it's done two things. One, it's interrupted. That person now has to think about what they said mm -hmm. differently. And I've taken care of myself, which is I've, I've said that I have a problem with this. I'm not exactly sure how to articulate it for you. And so I've given myself the space to do that. Um, but we don't let the person off the hook. The interrupt is crucial because especially if someone is saying something that's harmful or hurtful to someone, um, we don't want, again, to be complicit in it. So we, the interrupt is important, but sometimes the interrupt is just sharing that it's, it's done this to me or I don't even know what to say in the moment um, so that they know that they just stop and think for a second. And for some people, it may not make a difference, but still, you know, I always say that in, in some ways, I've um, I've shown people how to be with me. It doesn't mean that they'll be the same way with other people, but I now have friends who used to tell um, off-color jokes, not about you know me as a black person, but about gays or about things that I interrupt 100% of the time, and I basically let them know we can choose not to go down this path, but if you choose to say this in front of me, you can be sure I'm going to interrupt. And so they now know how to be with me. We can be, so if you want to say that, then you also know that you're going to hear my mouth, right? Mm. You're better off not telling a blonde joke or a gay joke or whatever, because mm -hmm. I will be compelled to interrupt it. Yes. Oh my gosh. I feel like this is such a universe moment because I actually, after talking to you, I have to get on the phone with my ex-husband about him making comments around my daughter about women and gays and things like that. And I, part of me was like, is this appropriate for me to do that? And, and this just confirms for me is like, absolutely, absolutely. Absolutely. And just say, what's your intent in that versus my, probably how I would have handled it before talking to you would have been like, Hey, you don't say that around our daughter. 
Exactly. And and not only, you know, if I can give you a little coaching, not only what is your intent, because that's almost too, that's almost too um, philosophical, right? Mm. Like, what do you think the impact is on our kid? Mm. Right? Mm-hmm. Bring it down to her. It's like, do you know, and, and if you, are you trying to make her homophobic or whatever? Mm-hmm. Like, what is your intent in doing this? Yeah. 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 Because, because, because he, he has to know if he doesn't, that it is that you've got this young mind around who's sponging up everything that you're saying, and it has an impact. And it also can be damaging if she has her own thoughts about it. Right. 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 Well, and, and we can go on a rabbit hole with this, but she has a mother who is like super liberal, I guess you would say. Um, And so then she comes to her dad and she's like, you know, my dad is a harmful person. And it's like, I don't want her to think this about him. So like you said, what, yeah, yeah. What's your impact? Um, okay. I want to ask you this question. It's kind of off the topic of where we were going to focus, but you know, for a lot of my clients, it's not necessarily people make these direct comments per se, right. We hear those all the time, but like, for example, that these generalized behaviors, like mansplaining, Mm-hmm. So you're talking, 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 and then a man starts talking over you and then telling you what you just said and his own words. So I encountered this a lot, even in my own marriage. And I'm like, Hey, like stop here. <laughs> so yeah. like, do we still use the same formula absolutely. for that? Absolutely. Okay. The, absolutely. You know, and, and it just depends. So, you know, the interrupt and it depends on your personality. So part of the book, I talk about knowing your, um, your own communication style, because that's really important. So I'm a very assertive communicator, you know? Um, and so I might interrupt that by saying, that sounds really familiar because I'm also kind of sarcastic, <laughs> right? And so the interrupt, it's still compassionate. It's still, but, but depending on, you know, your first instinct might be sarcasm, just know that it impacts how your repair goes. It means that you might have to work harder in your repair. So I try to keep sarcasm out of my interrupts, um, but it, I'm not 100% successful. So if I'm in a situation where I'm being mansplained, I, I might say, wow, is there an echo in the room? I might've just heard that. Or I might just say, you know, uh, I, I see a pattern happening and I wanna just interrupt it right now. Um, I'd like you to restate what, you heard me say, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And so there are different ways and it, it really boils down to what you feel comfortable with, what you have the energy to pull out in that moment. Because, you know, when our bodies get into that kind of fight or flight, um, it's, it's hard to really think rationally. And that's why I say, you know, sarcasm is absolutely appropriate sometimes, but just know that the repair is just going to be harder. Um, and it's, and it's not sarcasm because, you know, sarcasm, you can't guarantee how someone's going to hear it or take it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can only know how I meant it. Right. So if I'm hurtful in my sarcasm, then, then I've just complicated that, that communication a little bit. Yeah. And I know for me, when I do sarcastic things like that, I'm like, oh, that wasn't quite exactly how I wanted to show up there. I wanted to be a healer in that. Yeah. <laughs> and now, yeah. like you said, the repair is a little harder. Yeah. Yeah. Such great advice though, with that. Yeah. Um, and it goes back to like, just affirming for me, the work I do in the world of helping women own their power, know who they are, nervous system work, and then being able to go out and speak these truths mm-hmm. out into the world. And I'm so glad, again, you brought up the co-conspirator thing versus ally. It's like, we're all in this, this is yeah. all an issue and we all need to be strong enough to tackle this. 
Yeah. Right. And with intersectionality for us to think that any one problem is any one person's problem, you know, it's, it just doesn't make any sense. You know, uh, you're white, I'm black, but we're both women. Right. I mean, there's, we, there is some level of intersectionality with everybody. And so if we can see ourselves as a collective, instead of these individuals living these individual lives, then we begin to, you know, have more empathy for each other and also show up and care for each other uh, better and differently. Totally. And if, I mean, COVID, I think taught this to us all, we all impact each other. (laughs) Like there's, and we're only as strong as our weakest points and that too. So, yeah. Okay. Last thing I want to ask you, how can we best hold space for people who want to share their race or another kind of journey that they want to share? Yeah. You know, ask questions. It's always going to come back to asking questions and being curious. I think a lot of times we think we know, you know, we think we know someone's experience and we don't like, you know, and it's, it's as complicated as like, I prefer to be called black, not African-American because not all black people are African descent, direct to descent, you know? Mm -hmm. And I, but there's other people who absolutely want to be, you know, but the only way you're going to know that is if you ask me. And so, and there's nothing wrong with asking those questions. We, we've moved into this place in this country where, it, you know, the fact that we talk about race, I, I said that, um, so my husband's white and um, my uh, girlfriend who gave us our engagement party, she made cupcakes, um, chocolate and vanilla and, and had them decorated. It was super cute. So I mentor young people. And at this time, um, Jack was uh, still in high school and he's like, that's racist. Why would she even bring attention to that? And so we had, I was like, why would it be racist to acknowledge who we are? But why do we have to even talk about it? You're not just black. I'm like, well, what does it mean to you, Jack, that I'm black? I mean, I've been your mentor for four years. Do you think that I'm somehow special, a special black? You know, like we had to have this conversation because what we don't realize subconsciously is that there is a negative connotation. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that's why he doesn't want to talk about it. And so when we look around us and we see people like we we don't want to talk about race, you know, the fact that you're talking about being black is you're perpetuating the problem. Well, there's so much wrong with that. <laughs> I, know. I know. I'm like, oh, girl. <laughs> but 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 it's this idea that by us yeah. talking about it, that we're making it worse. And and my thing is that we can't fix anything without talking about it. Right. We can avoid. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 So good. Yeah. I, I mean, it goes back to what I have with clients a lot of times, especially my black clients and especially around 2020 with the George Floyd stuff, like every business person was coming to them or friend or whatever. was like, teach the class, tell us your experience without even asking. And some yeah. of them were like, I don't want this to be my journey, Yeah, but yeah. yet they were thrown in that. And so right. get curious with yes. people. Don't just assume. <laughs> yeah. And also find out, you know, what did it mean to you? that George Floyd got murdered, like as a white person, like, like those, like, that's where we, there's so much examination. Um, And this is, I think, you know, something that we could definitely get better at as a, as a people is that we always are looking to figure out the other, like we're like, we, we think about, you know, uh, people of color or folks with disabilities or whatever. And it's always examining them, right? there's very little self-reflection about what it means to me, right? And so when we talk about George Floyd, 
you could hear what it meant to me as an individual, not as a representative of all Black people. Mm -hmm. But I'm actually curious, what does it mean to you as a white person? What did that do to you? Mm. Because that's a conversation that's missing. Because Black people all over the place were telling you what it did to them, right? And then to be asked to speak about it, it's too emotional because then I'm, instead of, it it takes all responsibility off of white folks in that place because not every white person was in that place. So I want to be, I want to be clear that I'm not saying all white people were, but white people who were in that place to then have a, a black person explain it to you or, you know, what does it mean to you? Like do that work first. And then, then the conversation when you come to me is like, wow, this impacted me. Like I'm having these emotions and then we can meet someplace because we have something to grab onto together instead of my emotions being paraded around, right? Mm-hmm. Man, you just gave me a huge aha because I love being around people who are in what is considered like marginalized communities, especially mm-hmm. the queer community, because they have been forced to do all this deep work about what things mean to them. And I think a huge part of that is because generally speaking, white people, especially white men haven't had to do that deep questioning because we're not asking them to. Right. And we need to ask them, what does that mean to you? What is, yeah. Like just like the hat with the, anything that's happening versus everybody else. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Woo. Man, you delivered. <laughs> you delivered, Nancy. Thank you so much. I can't oh, wait to read the book. And like, I mean, this has been so helpful. So thank yeah, you. So. Yeah, it's, you know, it's a, it's, it's definitely a journey. And just because, you know, the book, it, I think it's amazing, not because I wrote it, but just that I, I think that it is, I think it has really good content. And I want to say that, you know, reading the book will be just the beginning of the journey. It is practice. So like anything else, if you wanted to speak a second language or a third or a fourth, or if you want to play an instrument, or if you want to be an athlete, what they all have in common is practice. And this conversation is no different. The reason we're no good at it is that our society has actually, you know, ensured that we avoid them. Right. And so if we want to get good at having difficult conversations, we have to practice like anything else. Yeah. I mean, I feel like this is going to make you an excellent communicator at the yeah. end of this, but for sure yeah. on how to do hard things too. Do yeah. Hard things and all yeah. things, you know, uh, yeah. personally, interpersonally, organizationally, it's, it has implications across the board. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about race and other hard things. I'm sure they can find on any booksellers website, Amazon, yeah, et cetera. Uh, we're, we're, uh, pushing Amazon for the first week. Um, and then um, it'll be opened up on other booksellers um, and it'll be, it's available internationally as well. Awesome. Awesome. And then where else can they connect with you? Uh, they can connect with me on drnancydome.com. Um, okay. They can find me there. Um, and that's a good place to start. There's other information on that uh, website that will direct them depending on the kind of work they're interested in. Awesome. Thank you again, Nancy. So yeah, helpful. Thank you so much, Lindsay. I appreciate it. It's been great. Thanks for tuning into the Become an Unstoppable Woman podcast. If you haven't left a review for the show yet, what are you waiting for? Your reviews give us the feedback and momentum we need to continue to produce this incredible free content for you. Plus, when you leave a review for the show, you get a copy of my book for free. Simply take a picture of your review and submit it to Lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-A-Y, epreston.com forward slash one zero zero and you'll receive a digital copy of 
my wisdom from the first hundred episodes book. This book is a study guide for life. Enjoy. And of course, share the show with your friends. I believe every woman can create a deeply fulfilling life that lights them the fuck up from the inside. The more you help others succeed, the more you help yourself. So share, share, share this show. And I'll see you soon and your friends back on the show next week for another eye-opening episode. Until then, keep rocking it.